It is the Guarantee Sports Corner Podcast. It is that time again, ladies and gentlemen. January 28th of 2020. Can you believe we're already here? My goodness, as time. Wow. 2020. We're almost into February. January's almost over. I mean, we're all still trying to accept the fact that it's a new decade of 2020. And, and uh, it's almost it's almost February. And it's it's already flying by. My birthday's in a couple of weeks. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting to that age where it's – you don't even want to. And I know I'm only going to be turning 23, but it's, it's – I'm almost getting to that age where it's like I don't even want to get older anymore. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate out there. It's just birthdays are not what they used to be anymore. Um, and, you know, everyone ex- experiences that at some point. But I'm at that age where it's just I don't want to uh, – I don't want to keep growing up. I wish I could stay young forever. Um, but we're all still uneasy over Sunday's terrible news over the passing of Kobe Bryant and others. So in his honor uh, for today, uh, the podcast will be 24 minutes and 8 seconds long in his honor. Uh, it still feels like I'm in a bad dream. I'm just waiting to wake up. It still does not feel real for me. And I'm sure it's like that for countless others. Many teams yesterday showed their respect to the legend by continuing to uh, do the beginning of the game shot clock violations, whether it was 24 seconds or 8 seconds in honor of Kobe Bryant. And, you know, that's something. You, You can't write up a better story than that. Every team throughout the league did it at the beginning of the game because of what he did for the game. And that that's awesome right there. I mean, you just you just got to stand back put your hands together and you got to applaud for what those teams did. I mean, that's tremendous, tremendous respect to a legend. Uh, And also at Staples Center, there are still people there uh, placing flowers and chanting Kobe and uniting as one. Uh, And that's the impact he had. That's what legends do to people. And in honor of Kobe as well, the Lakers and the Clippers have both decided to postpone their game today. Uh, in in honor of Kobe as well. So that's the impact that he had around the league. And that was, this is all after a whole day of of taking it all in and finally realizing what has happened. And it's not easy. No one has taken this news easily. And LeBron James finally came out last night, uh, pretty late last night, and he, he finally reacted to the news and... It's on his Instagram, King James. I mean, you can go and look at it on there. But it was it was a very appreciative post, and he was just as shocked as everyone else was. And Saturday night, he actually told a very detailed story of the first time he ever met Kobe Bryant, and then on the night that he passed Kobe Bryant for third all-time points, and then, you know, the news, and, and everything's happened since then. Uh, I'm sure everyone has done their their – part in covering this but I got to talk about it uh it, it, no one likes to talk about it but you know it's, it's it's Kobe Bryant and we have to talk about it so you can't write a better story than that and I'm also sure there were a lot of people who hopped on 2k last night and played with Kobe Bryant one more time I sure did you know I made a dynasty mode uh, with the 97 Lakers just because of Kobe um 
and, and you know, beat them up a little bit, scored a lot of points with him. You know, just just those classic Kobe moments that we all remembered growing up as a kid. Uh, there's really only two things in this world that can bring a whole diverse group of people together and unite them as one. And that's music and sports. Music and sports are really the only thing that bring all different types of people together and all going for the same thing. I could have nothing in common with someone and go to a concert, but we both sing and we both dance and we, it's almost like we're hanging out like we're best friends and I don't even need to know this person. All I need to know is that I have this one thing in common with this person whether it's music, whether it's sports. And I could be like best friends with them because of that one thing. And it's the same thing at a sporting event. The only thing we could have in common is that we like the same team or the same player, but yet during the game, we're high-fiving, we're chanting, we're cheering together, like we've been best buds our entire lives. That's why I am a firm believer that sports are emotional. And I also believe that is why this loss hurts so much more. They bring us together and they're, it's a different bond than everything else in this world. You go to a sporting event, when, you, when you're six years old and you pick up a ball for the first time or you see someone on TV for the first time, that gets you inspired to be like them. And for me, that was Peyton Manning, seven years old, going to a Pro Bowl game, watching him completely ball out. And from then on, I'd never liked any other athlete more than Peyton Manning. And I'm sure there's millions of people out there that are like that with Kobe Bryant. You know, Joel Embiid said in his tweet after he heard the news that he didn't pick up a basketball until he watched. Kobe Bryant in the finals in 2009 or 2010 or whatever it was. But Kobe Bryant was the reason that Joel Embiid even picked up a basketball. And that's just one of the few examples from around the globe, really, about what Kobe Bryant meant to them. And there's a million different reasons why to like Kobe Bryant if you're a fan. Everyone's got their own little reason why they like Kobe Bryant. And it doesn't matter what that reason is. At the end of the day, there's something Kobe Bryant means to you. And I think that is bringing everybody together. And we're all realizing what he did for the sport. And we just have to soak it in, cherish what he did, and continue to do what Kobe Bryant wanted to do in his basketball life after so yes, yeah, sports are emotional and we get attached to them and they become a part of us. And sometimes we base our life around sports. You know, I get people telling me all the time, dude, you're like obsessed. You're obsessed with sports. And I am, I, I most certainly am. And meanwhile, I wasn't obsessed with Kobe Bryant. But that doesn't mean I didn't take this news easier than anybody else. 
it was still hard and it still is. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. But sports bring people together. And so I think that's why people get attached to it a lot easier than other things is that sports bring us together as one. Like I said, I could have nothing in common with somebody else, but if we like the same team and we so happen to be next to each other, we're going to be cheering. We're going to be acting like we're friends. That's just what sports do. You know, I ever go to a bar, you sit down, there's a game on, and you see the guy next to you wearing the same team, whatever it is, and you start small talking, you start to get to know the guy a little bit better. I'm pretty soon you guys are chatting it up about the team. Nothing else really does that besides music and sports. And that is what's so special about them. Sports brings us together. And you better believe on Sunday there's going to be a ton of fans of the Chiefs and the 49ers. And they'll probably be in the same place at the same time whether it's in public or at a random Super Bowl party, and they're going to see – they're not even going to know the person, but as soon as they see someone with the same team as them, they're going to be high-fiving. They're going to be cheering together. They're going to be yelling together. They're going to be drinking together. It's just what happens, and it's what you do. And that is why sports are so beautiful. Even on the collegiate side, it just brings fans together even more. And that's why I love them so much because of that connection that you can make with other people. And that's why they're so beautiful. Uh, let me switch over to this. I know this Sunday is the Super Bowl. Uh, I won't be talking too much about the preview. That's what Thursday is going to be for. I'll be talking about Chiefs versus 49ers. Uh, top three offense versus a top three defense. It's going to be a fantastic Super Bowl down in Miami. The last time the 49ers won a Super Bowl, it was actually in Miami with Steve Young to get their fifth Super Bowl trophy. So I'll give you my thoughts and predictions on Thursday about the big game. Uh, but first today, I want to relive my top five Super Bowl plays in my lifetime. And I'll start from the time period from when I watched my first Super Bowl up until last year. Uh, and, and my first year that I started watching the Super Bowl uh, was Eagles and Patriots back in 2004. So I've been watching about 15 Super Bowls now. I can't believe it's already been 15, but 15 Super Bowls now uh, was my very first Super Bowl. And actually, I, I do remember where I was. Uh, I was at my friend's house. They were having a little Super Bowl party. I didn't really know too much back then. I didn't really start getting into the NFL until I was about eight years old, but seven years old is when I kind of started getting interested in the sport. So the 2004 or 2005 Super Bowl between the Eagles and the Patriots was the first Super Bowl I ever watched. And ultimately where Donovan McNabb threw an interception to basically end the game and to lose it overall. But uh, my number five memory in Super Bowl history was Antoine Rondo-L's trick play pass to Heinz Ward in Super Bowl 40. And you guys remember that one? Uh, nobody in the entire stadium knew that play was going to happen. A reverse lateral from Big Ben to Rondo-L, and he just ropes it down the field. And I mean completely just on a dime. 
perfectly placed into Hines Ward's hands, and ultimately that sealed the game for the Steelers uh, to get their fourth, no, to get their fifth, uh, their fifth Super Bowl. And that, that game, you know, I don't remember too much about it. I know the Seahawks were favored coming into that game, you know, with the powerful run game from Sean Alexander, and they had the experience at quarterback from Matt Hasselback. Uh, and they were supposed to steamroll this Pittsburgh Steelers, who earlier in that playoffs uh, upset my Colts in the divisional round. Um, but that team got hot at the right time. But that one play from that Super Bowl really changed – the entire outcome uh, of the game. Uh, number four, I got to say it's Von Miller's sack fumble in the fourth quarter against Cam Newton to close out the game in Super Bowl 50. It was the number one pick versus the number two pick in the 2011 draft. Von Miller already got to Cam Newton once earlier in that game to force a defensive touchdown in the first half, but coming down to crunch time, somebody needed to make a play and Honestly, I think this play solidifies Newton's legacy when he decided not to jump on top of the ball to keep possession. Uh, but that play changed everything. Uh, it was Peyton Manning's final year. Everyone knew he was he was most likely going to retire after the season was over. Uh, and and you know, he even jokes about that he did ride the defense's tail uh, for that Super Bowl ring. But you know, the Panthers were on their way to go down and drive drive down the field and possibly tie the game. Uh, but then Von Miller makes an absolute monster play. He just goes up to Ken Newton, strips it out of him, uh, and the rest is history. So that is my number four Super Bowl memory of all time. Number three, Manning to Manningham, part two of the Giants versus Super Bowl 46, a 38-yard pass from Eli Manning to Mario Manningham down the sideline, double covered in crunch time. And I got to say, that was one of the best throws I've ever seen in Super Bowl history. Under duress, a big play was needed for the Giants to even stay in the game because they were close to their own end zone. Uh, and that play to Manningham, I'm sure you guys have seen it, uh, down the sideline. And I'm telling you, tippy-toes – you know, all close to the sideline, as close as you can even imagine. And two defenders right there, and the ball just squeezes in right in between those two defenders and in the hands of Manningham. And right then and there, you you saw that play, and you said, here we go again. Um, after what they did in the first Super Bowl, now they go back to this Super Bowl against the same team in the same circumstances, and you do it again. And you can't script up something like that. You, you, you can't even replay that play because it was just such a clutch play in such a big moment. And ultimately, that that you know they drove down the field after that play and they took the lead with a minute left and, and won another Super Bowl. So that's number three. Number two, the Philly special. Super Bowl 52 featured a backup quarterback trying to lead